0: Welcome to another part of the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. I'm your host, Brand Spirit, and my guest today is Natasha of the Temple of Akasha. Welcome, Natasha. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, me too. It's been a it's been a while since we've been uh trying to connect or finally we're here together. <laughs> uh, I came across your work uh, on YouTube actually. The algorithm had uh you know blessed me with uh a little thumbnail to one of your videos it was about your spontaneous kundalini awakening and of course i won't uh, i won't spoil it i'll I'll, <laughs> I'll leave you to tell the story but i watched i sat through your whole video and i was just uh, having a lot of uh aha moments and nodding and saying yeah she gets it because there's many themes that uh came up in your telling of your story that uh echoed a lot of my own experiences my own ideas um, and we'll get into some of that, but overall I found that you're an individual that's gone through Kundalini awakening. It's in the middle of the process, you could say, or, you know, it seems like you quite an advanced stage of it, but there's a deep trust, it's a deep understanding. Um, and there's, uh, you know, no sense of victimhood was coming from you. And that's what really stood out to me. And those are my favorite type of people on the Kundalini path, the people that's, Uh, have gone through the part where they feel like, you know, they've been cursed by God and instead recognize that this is a healing process. And that was a major theme running through your message. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, we've got to, we've got to connect. I want to hear more about your experience. And of course, for you to share some of your, uh, your confidence with others, to let them know that uh, whatever they're going through, no matter how difficult there is purpose, there's order. We're not victims here. And so, uh, With that said, why don't you take us back a little bit to when, uh, you know, Kundalini Awakening or the spiritual journey in general uh, began for you?
1: Hmm. I think I want to preface the actual awakening by saying that I feel that the experiences we have in childhood almost plant the seeds for us to harvest later in life. So. As a child, I experienced quite a lot of things in a short space of time that were unsettling. And so I would say that my actual awakening was seeded. My initiation has been mental health and was seeded by being exposed to a lot of um, mental health challenges, we could say, primarily with my dad to begin with, who has um, very loosely been labelled with paranoid schizophrenia. The establishment doesn't quite know what to do with him um and there was no diagnosis or anything when i was a child so growing up around him lots of other experiences that happened very early on in my life i feel seeded almost an existential crisis from childhood which i think then almost built cumulatively until kind of the straw that broke the camel's back during my 20s when i really felt the weight of life and depression and my own mental health issues. And then I really saw saw a different path, so I think that for me, childhood seeded what was to come, and then I had um i I had my first suicidal episode at eighteen, so I'd just gone to university, which was a choice I made. Uh, that was not in alignment with what my soul was asking me to do. So at that age, I wanted to go into acting. I was very passionate about drama and and performance and creativity. And I allowed myself to be shepherded down a more traditional, conventional route of studying English language because I was also very good at English. And that denial of soul soul, um, passion, that denial of the soul truth at that age, was like a very major fork in my road and i feel that that denial of my truth and not standing for myself and that sort of self-betrayal that catalyzed a very sudden ego death when i was at university of um feeling completely completely misaligned with what i'd manifested what i'd created and what i'd what i'd allowed myself to kind of pursue so there was a suicidal episode and i spent three years in dissociation and then was you know clawing through what we could say is conventional life I got the grad job I got the the nice car I was trying so hard to fit into this box of convention that everyone said would make me so happy and yeah I was struggling to find any reward any sense of meaning in any of it and um, I would say that after two years trying to prescribed to the societal norms and standards of what I should be doing. I was in a grad job, I was doing all the things. I was so depressed, I was so un- unhappy. Um, and my sister invited me to go traveling to Thailand with her for initially two weeks. And she said, just come. She was like, what's the worst gonna happen? It's a holiday, you come back, maybe you go in a new perspective. And I saw that as another fork, another opportunity to say immediately my soul lit up and I said, this is a chance to start choosing myself again because I've got very lost from what I've been called to do on my path. So I quit that job and I traveled to Thailand. I extended my trip. I ended up doing a solo trip around Southeast Asia and then I ended up moving to Vietnam in 2015 by myself. And 2015, um towards the end of 2015 when i was in hanoi in vietnam that was when well technically probably 2016 it was when i really met my ex boyfriend but we met out there and that was when my i would say that my awakening really got going i would say that that was the point when the the accumulative weight of of suffering had become so severe that I was no longer interested in in investing in any kind of traditional paths because they weren't giving me any solutions. Um, and then I, I I met my ex-partner who um, was already on this path. He was five years older than me. He was already on a path of mindfulness. He was a yoga teacher. Um, and the first book he gave me was Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And I think, you know, we all have perhaps our gateway book or our gateway, documentary or something that creates the aha moment. Um, reading that book when I was in that deep suffering and a lot had happened in a short space that was leaving me in a lot of pain, um, that book put, put words and and allowed myself to actually capture the essence of this aspect of me that I always felt was infiltrating who I really was, which was the ego. And so I, during an earlier breakup with my first long-term boyfriend, which was a very, very volatile relationship, that was, that was when I was like 17 to 21, I was developing self-awareness in the, in the fallout of that breakup, where I started to question what role did I play in this? Because there was so much instability and volatility. I knew that there was almost like a, I used to say I was hijacked. There were moments when I was hijacked, where, when I was in argument or confrontation, I wouldn't. I wouldn't behave in a way that was aligned with my heart. I would behave reactively and and all these other mechanisms and behaviors would show up and I had no vocabulary for it. So when I re- read A New Earth, it finally put words to the ego structure and the pain body. And it was like, okay, okay, this is like leading me a step closer to finally finding the answers that I've been seeking. And so since 2016, really, this process has been um in motion of really becoming consciously aware of the ego structure and my journey started primarily with yoga and and i entered the yogic system very much from that western perspective of this is a stretch this is very naive and ignorant you know this is just approaching the yoga asana practice um but over time with consistency i started to learn more about that system And my foundation was really in those principles of ego awareness, mindfulness, presence practices, um, and using yoga as a system as I began to explore in more detail as a foundation for this journey. Um, And many things ensued between that point in Vietnam and when I had my Kundalini awakening in India in 2019. I traveled to South America for five months and I worked with Ayahuasca and I traveled to several different countries and I realize now that each trip I made was, you know, I was going to sacred sites. I was going to portals. I went to Lake Titicaca, and I was in, you know, Machu Picchu. I'd gone to these very activating places, and it was almost as though I was being led to the places that were going to prepare me for this experience. Um, however, I was still ill-equipped to deal with the experience as it as it unfolded for me, um, and so I think. Um, I mentioned this on my on my Kundalini awakening video, but for anyone that's not listened to that prior to listening to this, uh, in 2019, having been through two major trips in Southeast Asia and then South America, um, my ex and I decided that we were going to go to India later in the year in 2019, and I um, was going through a very challenging time with my my mental health again, I was going through another Crisis, if you like, another layer of shedding, another layer of unraveling, which I was really struggling with, and um, I'd already met my twin flame at this point. So there had been multiple initiations that were kind of compounding and making my experience feel very, very intense. And I'd gone to therapy at the beginning of 2019 with a view to start kind of consolidating some of my experiences from childhood um, and starting to really kind of unearth what was lurking in the shadows, so that I could bring that to awareness. And that experience was very valuable. I did have somatic releases. My my therapist was trauma-informed. So I did move um, some energy. And I had some very powerful realizations during that therapeutic experience. But I hit a wall in that my therapeutic room and space was kind of on a high street. And it was was, um, kind of sandwiched between shops and establishments that made me very aware that when I needed to have a full release, I knew it needed to be audible and I knew it needed to be kind of wild and perhaps out of the box in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And I did not feel safe to have it in the the therapeutic environment that I was in. And I feel that that was a very essential element. So the therapeutic training or the therapeutic experience almost led me when I was going to India to do my yoga teacher training, It provided the groundwork somatically for my body to say, right, I've moved energy. I know what it's like to let the body wisdom take over so that when I got to India and I had the actual kind of the rising of the Kundalini in a very kind of explosive way, I was sort of familiar with what was necessary, which was the full release, not just the body kind of shaking and trembling, but this audible release so that I could really allow the Kundalini to do her work during that explosion. So yes that's sorry that was a lot and there's a lot um it's kind of hard in these experiences to say like how do I even um how do I even begin to point to you know those experiences so many life-changing experiences how do I even point to those with words and try and make it concise but yes there's been uh I would say mental health has been my initiatory path um and then and then I would say that 2019, after the Kundalini Awakening, that was the last time I ever used the word depression. Mm. And the Kundalini Awakening um, gave me an understanding that what I was experiencing as depression was, was not depression. It was really a state of victimhood that on some level I was so attached to that it had become so ingrained with my sense of self um, mm. that I just... You know, the way I describe victimhood or any limiting beliefs is a bit like a firmament or a dome. It's like we can have and that's how I used to experience mental health. It was almost like there was a glass dome where I knew there was another layer of experience, more happiness, more joy, more connection. I could almost see that it was available, but I couldn't reach it. I couldn't puncture through that firmament. I was always trapped underneath And that's what alchemizing victimhood has felt like for me on my journey, that there have been many layers of this dome of victimhood. And depression was a big one where I I could see that there was a whole life I wasn't living, but I almost couldn't see this glass ceiling that was keeping me trapped in an experience that I believe I was choosing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once the Kundalini experience happened, believe me, there was a lot of victimhood that arose. And it was interesting that you said at the beginning that you didn't sense much victimhood for me, because that's really been... What I've been alchemizing since. Um, But it was really just recognizing, like, wow, so much, so much of what is, uh, what we consider suffering is really self created. That I'm choosing. What liberated me from depression was recognizing that I was choosing on some level in my thought forms, in identification with my emotional experiences in my embodiment, I was choosing every day to believe that life couldn't get better. I was choosing to believe that I was a victim. I was choosing so heartily because it felt so familiar for so long that of course, how else was I gonna experience anything else? So when I made that realization, when I the Kundalini created enough space for me to see that, it was the last time I ever referred to my experience as having mental health issues or being depressed because to me, it was just, um, a layer of unconsciousness that I hadn't yet I hadn't yet become aware of
0: right right well there's many similarities in our in our journeys you know I I found a path through mental health uh issues as well you know seeking some some relief of anxiety and depression and I came across Eckhart Tolle's work um which like you it uh it gave me a framework to understand the ego the thoughts the emotions um and it was you know he, he presents it in such a clear way now of course I, I don't think he has ever really mentioned in his work Kundalini um, but I've heard through the grapevine that uh, he spent some time with uh, Bonnie Greenwell who is uh, an author and a Kundalini researcher she wrote a book called The Kundalini Guide and he spent some time with her um, trying to figure out his own Kundalini awakening um, of course Uh, i'm just uh gossiping here but uh just for the record you know it seems like you know even when you read his books the power of now for example there's a transmission happening there of what i would call shakti of spiritual power and it's what initially triggered uh my own uh awakening uh Eckhart Tolle's work but uh but anyway um let's so so you've you've been through uh quite a an interesting journey around the world exploring different things you've had some uh course some mental health uh, ups and downs even beginning in childhood but now you find yourself in india and are you in india with um with with your ex boyfriend at the time your ex partner yes and so uh, do you find yourself there seeking to do a yoga teacher training did that come out uh, did that sort of uh come about after you got to india or was that why you went
1: that was why we went so okay. And it was an interesting experience because um, yoga at that point had been kind of my foundation for four years. And so it was the practice that I was showing up for every single day. It was the constant in what felt like a very tumultuous ocean of life. And so because it had provided me with a sense of solace that I, you know, regardless of what was happening in my external experience, I always had the power to return to my mat, to return to presence and to utilize the tools that i was learning from that system i really went into i decided i wanted to do a yoga teacher training because i also recognized that i wasn't built and i don't think many of us are but i really wasn't built i was almost allergic to the system of work and contributing our gifts and service in the current paradigm i was almost allergic to that every time i tried to enter into conventional work in some capacity my body would have very severe reactions i'd get physically very unwell or mentally very unwell um, and so yoga teacher training initially was kind of to deepen my experience and understanding of the system so that maybe in time i would be confident enough to then start transmitting some of those teachings to others and transition out of the paradigm of traditional work into something that felt more meaningful and i and i've seen in my past and when i've looked back at what jobs was I drawn to? There was always a theme of wanting to help people, regardless of how it presented. There was always this aspect of me that just wanted to help, that wanted to be of service. And it's very difficult, I think, with the established parad- paradigm to find ways that we can be of service that feel genuinely meaningful um, and that feel aligned without us having to sacrifice integrity in some way or authenticity. So that's what was motivating me by 2019. Like, I'm Uh, the the will to want to change that was greater than my desire to stay the same to stay in locked into that paradigm which felt so misaligned so my ex-partner and I decided to go out to India in August I initially was actually supposed to go to Dharamasala in the north um but something had happened I think there'd been some weather event there and so they they rescheduled it to go down south so I was in Goa when we went to India it was the yoga teacher training was happening in Goa so we um, we booked. I can't even remember if we booked our return flight, but I think we'd scheduled around four months to be there. And so we went out with this purpose, and we went out about a month before, and we went to some beautiful sites um, in preparation and just kind of exploring the land. And from the moment we really touched in India, a lot was a lot was happening. Um, there were I look back and I, I see now how I was having past life remembrances, somatic releases. You know, the Kundalini was already starting to work. And actually, I should probably interject by saying that I think she had actually begun, and I mentioned this in my Kundalini Awakening video, but I believe looking back retrospectively, she'd already begun that process of stirring within my system um, probably in 2017. And so that presented as having a lot of neurological dysfunction that couldn't be identified by the Western medical system. So I was going through MRIs because I was having severe back and neck pain, visual distortions, dizziness, um, experiences that I just no one could pinpoint. They were saying everything was coming back clear, all the tests were coming back normal, as is often the case with Kundalini, Kundalini symptoms or things that are presenting from that experience. And so it drove me to seek out a chiropractor which is how I met my twin flame. And my twin flame was a chiropractor. And then I believe meeting him then started really process, beginning this process of the Kundalini stirring of another level of activation happening in my system. So that by the time I went out to India in 2019, she was, she was ready to start this very intense purification uh, and i was ready on some level even if i didn't feel it consciously at the time i was ready because it happened so
0: to interrupt you i just um, want to clarify when you say she you're referring to the kundalini
1: yes right. yes yeah um which is how i experience al- although kundalini obviously this whole experience is not is not gendered and it's beyond Uh, binaries for me I experience her energy specifically is very feminine when she's when I'm you know when the kundalini is moving through me so me too um, (laughs) so I yeah so I was the groundwork had been prepared and so when I went to my yoga teacher training and again there are Many things that I now look back on and I see were naive about how I entered into that that process. So it was a one month intensive 200 hour teacher training, which is very common now. So you go out and you spend 12 hours a day absorbing the information and moving through the teachings uh, six days a week. Um, And so it was interesting that on the first night before we started the course, we had an opening ceremony and during that ceremony, I felt I didn't get sick at all during my time in India. And this wasn't even, I believe, a food-related sickness. I was sat in this ceremony feeling very, very nauseous, feeling very unwell. And just as the ceremony closed, I went and vomited. And I I was like developing a fever. I was just... There was something already happening that I couldn't pinpoint to anything. I hadn't had dairy. It was like my system on some level was already (laughs) recognizing that something was happening, being in that space. And so we spent the first week doing a very intense being exposed to Ashtanga yoga and just the kind of teachings and moving through. Sorry, no, we were doing a Hatha yoga immersion for the first week. Um, So we're being exposed to the teachings and then. After that first week, the second week was being exposed to Ashtanga and we were moving through the primary one series. And so the morning um, that this experience happened, the Kundalini explosion or the God explosion, as I call it, happened, we'd started uh, working with Ashtanga and and we were moving through primary series one. Um, and my most of my yogic kind of experience had been with hatha yoga and then some you know as a, as a result vinyasa yoga so ashtanga was fairly new to me um, but it's very purifying um, especially when you're working with the jayi breath and you know the primary series when you're moving through the asana it's you know it's rigorous it's a it's a it's a it's an intense process and so I had moved through, woken up at six o'clock. We moved through the primary one series. We'd we'd done a pranayama practice. And by breakfast, I think at eight o'clock I started to feel unwell. I started to feel nauseous. Um, This continued to escalate until about 11 o'clock when we were sat in a a lecture and I was experiencing a full on fever. So I was um, sweating, but I was boiling and I was shaking. And initially the teachers thought I had dengue fever So they recommended that I go to uh, go to a hospital or a a local medical practitioner of some kind. Um, But I knew I could feel, you know, being someone that hasn't experienced an an emotional, ritual, emotional landscape, we should we could say. I was aware of these blocks of energy in my body, especially around my throat and my heart. There had been an emotional experience that had happened the night before with another woman that was on the yoga teacher training that had instigated a lot of emotion for me. And so on some level, I knew that this was not a physical illness that I needed to be worried about. I just trusted, I I trusted, part of me trusted, part of me me had no idea. But when the taxi came to collect me, I just directed it to go straight back to our hotel. And my ex-partner was sat on the balcony reading. And I just said to him, like, I think I'm about to have a very intense release. And because of where he was on his journey um it it, i knew that the everything was in place for me to have the release i had and i think that this is an important thing to touch on when it comes to um moving trauma having these very very deep purges safety for me is a prerequisite if any part of our system does not feel safe we will withhold and therefore resist the full process as it wants to move through us So this was the first time, I think, on my journey where when I'd gone to lie in the hotel room, the monsoon rains came. And this was the first time we'd experienced the monsoon rains while we were out there. And they were like nothing I'd ever experienced. Thunder, lightning, torrential downpours. where when my ex-partner went outside, he said, like, you cannot hear a damn thing. He was like, I think this is the time for you to have this audible release. Like this is where the pressure is building in the throat and the heart. Like he's like, just let yourself have this release. Of course, we neither of us expected what was going to happen after that, but I just knew I had was in a place where finally the container was set for me to fully surrender. And um you know the divine had orchestrated it in such a way where this fever had rendered my body completely useless so I was in fever I had a banging migraine I was so weak I just stripped myself naked and was on the bed and once the process started even if I wanted to resist it I didn't have the individual will or agency to to stop it And that's i think given the level of egoic resistance i held that was necessary that there had to be these conditions in place for me to have this experience and so what ensued from that place when i was on the bed was about three or four hours of what i call the god explosion um which was this potent kundalini activation um which of course i didn't have word words for at the time and i did not know um I still did not have vocabulary to capture it until a year and a half after it happened. Um, But I allowed myself to surrender to the movement of this energy and the emotion. And what came out very suddenly after I surrendered was agony, just sheer agony, moving, deep agony, a sense of betrayal, grief, um, layers that were far deeper than this life. And um, I'd already, seen past life sporadically and spontaneously in my mind's eye i'd already been exposed to that so i've never had a regression but i was already in the three years leading up to this experience seeing fragments of past lives and so during this initial experience once i let the energy move and and i allowed this energy to flow i lost autonomy as in natasha the kind of egoic construct of natasha lost individual agency and the divine took over and so what happened in that moment of surrender was that um uh this process was being orchestrated through me and i was witnessing it Mm. so there was no i was no longer choosing to move my body in a certain way move my arm here I was in witnessing consciousness at this point, observing, I was still in my body from the sense of like the locality was still, I was seeing out of my eyes and I could see my ex-boyfriend, I could see the room, but I was no longer in charge, so to speak. And And there was no part of me that feared it. I felt how divinely held I was, how the spaciousness that I was witnessing from was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. And so I was in complete trust, even though, in the background it was like a tiny little fragment of the ego is saying this is so weird this is so fucking strange like what's happening that was so weak and um so in the background that this process just that just happened and so what ensued was um a, pur- a purification and a purging i think of many lifetimes of of um of trauma so i moved through a death that I had already been consciously aware of some of the content of with my twin flame at, um, a particular karmic timeline around betrayal, grief, anger that was really showing up in our present moment experience. I saw that life. I actually relived somatically the life. I was being moved in the same way. And I was seeing in my mind's eye how I died in that life. And I was seeing all of these elements as they were, as they were being kind of relived through my body. And I literally released the 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 moment I think when in that life I left my body I was relive, reliving and then releasing the fear, the agony, the betrayal of seeing that it was this person that was um, that was killing me in that life and and just everything that was coming up from that. And after that moment, um, a few other timelines were touched on and moved through, but it became more of a fluid process where the kundalini was was activating various aspects of my multidimensionality at that point so i hadn't obviously i had no language for light language or um for channeling i did not have any frame of reference for any of these things but i started to channel light language in that experience and and um you know initially i could see my mind in the background judging like this sounds germanic french hebrew like hebrew like there were so many uh and then some that didn't sound like they were from Earth at all. Just these sounds and these um, these 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 this outpouring coming through me, and I just continued to let it th- flow. Um, there was one moment when I was kind of sat, and my body was just swaying, and I started chanting Icarus and soul songs, which come through me quite a lot now. Um, and it was just a remembrance. It was like my soul was just channeling a remembrance of what was already in the field. Um. And then I had a moment, which I think was one of the most profound moments during this experience when um, she started to move energy at my root using my voice. And I've realized that for me on my journey, my voice is one of my most powerful tools. So I use sound to alchemize a lot. And I didn't realize that. But um, I involuntarily during this process started chanting all of the seed mantras for the different chakras. And I didn't know about all of them. I only was familiar with ham at a conscious level. But I started to chant them all from the root up. And as I was doing so, the energy was moving up, 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 and I was changing octaves and pitches. And then it would come out of my mouth as a purge, as a physical release of a lot of gunk. And this happened for each chakra. And it was I filled up like three dustbins full of gunk and stuff that was being moved and uh it was a real purification at that level too um and this process just continued to unfold while simultaneously my my human vehicle was absolutely exhausted and in a lot of pain from this migraine and um there were several other things that happened during that experience but it was so uh You know, when you experience these things, they're so profound that words kind of struggle to capture the essence of them. But I think uh, I don't actually know how it ended consciously. I think I passed out. Um, But what was. um, What was very interesting, I think, also from that experience was to witness the dual consciousness at play of the human egoic self that was still needing to attend to the animal body needs of like, I need to wee. (laughs) and also seeing this channel moving through me that 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 had another uh, had another agenda to just the purification was happening at another level and so um throughout that process I was having to almost interject the light language or the channeling that was coming through and really force a sense of individual will and agency to say to my ex I need more tissue or I need the toilet because I can't physically move on my own um and then I passed out (laughs) so that was that was that initial god explosion
0: for me the god explosion i, I love the way that you describe that mm-hmm. and of course you know well, at least when i talk about kundalini awakening we talk about the purification process the purging um clearly you lived it in a very visceral way <laughs> yeah. um many interesting themes uh in, in what you went through there um you know you said that you were spontaneously vocalizing i think it's clear that your gift is uh to use your voice i could tell this in your other work in general you're you're very well spoken and and expressive and that's clearly uh a gift that that you've been given um it only makes sense that that part of your your awakening uh, experience would be so uh uh would have so many elements of, of the voice and whatnot the uh the seed mantras of the uh, chakras. So for those who aren't familiar, each mantra has a sort of uh, a a one syllable mantra associated with it. Um, and this is a great example in your experience of how these themes out of yoga mantras and even asanas, even pranayama, the spontaneous breathing. Some people think that some wise indian men made these up like they sat down together and you know came up with these things i think it it's it was all given spontaneously in the way that you experienced without knowing any about I think about it yeah you were chanting it, you know um it's it's wisdom that that came from beyond the mind so yes. i just was i would just want to put that out there because i think in a little bit we're going to get into a little bit more about the yoga scene um but we see here that it's uh you know it's coming from somewhere beyond the mind and it's interesting that you mentioned the human component of the experience as well i mean of your experience of life in general of all of us right the need to go to the bathroom um whatever it is on uh online y- your your title is spiritual embodiment guide and um it it seems very clear that uh you know this is uh the work that you're being called to do is to support people with recognizing the spiritual dimension, as well as this human dimension that we have, that we have to, you know, still go to the bathroom, take care of our responsibilities and be in relationships as well. So your partner, your ex-partner at, at the time, just to clarify for our audience, this is, he's not your twin flame. No. Um, Your twin flame is your chiropractor at the time. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that, but your partner's there. He's with you. He's holding space for you yeah what what does he think about what's going on with you what what is like what, what's going on there
1: I think we'd experienced enough um magical mysterious and strange things up at that point together that he has he's an incredible being and uh, we were very much soulmate allies in this journey we'd come together to do important activation support work together and um we we our container lasted nearly 4 years and the principles of that relationship were really we we started it very intentionally as though we were getting married uh, we set set these vows out that we would we would honor truth honesty and ultimately that we were both so dedicated to to our personal path of evolution that we would never favor a codependent dynamic over what we were being called to do at the highest level and so I think by the time the Kundalini awakening happened, I have no doubt that he was probably also like, "Wow, well, this is kind of crazy." But he was—he has this incredible capacity to just hold space. Hmm. Um, and so, um, I think he'd also been far enough along in his journey where he, you know, had l- developed the capacity to observe and to witness and to be in that non-jud- non-judgmental state in an embodied space where he held an amazing container. And I have no doubt that this was co-created that I could not have entered that degree of surrender. If you think about that kind of masculine and feminine polarity at play, he created the masculine container so that the feminine could flow. And so it was a very beautiful dance, I think. And I'm forever grateful for the service he provided in that moment and throughout our relationship because, it was a co-creation and it was mutually beneficial in how it activated us both into these, these more embodied aspects of our higher selves and, and our truth ultimately. So hats off to Tim. If he ever listens to this, um, he's an amazing being.
0: Great. Well, th- that that makes a lot of sense. I, I like the word you're using their container. Um, the, the, the masculine structure to hold space. Um, I heard that word recently through a, conscious um, relationship teacher guy john Wineland. he's uh, he's pretty incredible I'm not sure if you're familiar yes. oh great yeah, he, yeah. he's uh, he's very inspiring and that's one of the terms that he uses that i found it to be very apt um i'm curious now so of course you know credit to tim and of course yourself for cooperating with this process but i'm curious if if you feel that tim in the same way that you were you know taken over by the divine Something came over Tim to to encourage him to hold space in that way. The reason I'm asking is because. I mean, during my kundalini rising, I had my partner at the time in the room. Her and a friend left the room and then it took place for me. They were inspired to leave. Um, I have heard of another person was with his wife. She went upstairs. He was hanging out in some of the living room or something. And then it happened, and she, it was almost like a, a strange coincidence that she had to leave at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, after my awakening, I I came, stayed in my parents. Um, you know, I had walked off my job at the time, and for the next six weeks, they didn't say a word to me. They didn't say, you know, like you know, what are you doing, just hanging out in your room? It felt like something came over them and just hypnotized them. Hey, just hold space mm-hmm. for this guy. <laughs> Don't bother him. Um, so I'm curious, do you feel like that was a little bit of what's going on in your experience as well? That's uh, the divine inspired him to hold space?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like the whole, in a way, which is what I'm really being schooled in at the moment, This the level of interconnectedness and the web of divine orchestration at play, not just for these very uh, potent you know divine experiences but in everyday life there is a there we are all connected through this web of divinity and so i think we're all informed by the web of divinity and i think tim being as awakened and receptive as he was he was receptive to the highest needs at the time and i think that that's communicated through the web of energy even if it's not spoken and i think for me at that point the highest need was safety for me to be in full surrender and so um In our relationship he had been a force and a source of safety for me he was in many ways helping to reprogram my relationship to masculine energy so that i could view the masculine not just an embodied form of a male but masculine energy in general as consistent as reliable as safe as protective and so i think from my personal experience, he, there was almost like a divine union at play where he was just being an embodied pillar of that container so that the full force of the feminine could be actualized. Um, so yeah, but I have no doubt that he he was informed by something. The level of surrender, the level, you know, when I, when I came to the balcony and I said like I think there's a release happening, there was an unspoken knowing between us that it was like he would be there and and that he would just sit and hold space. And I think because perhaps that had been, that had been the dynamic where we knew each other well enough to know the needs of the other. Does the other need space? Does the other need holding? I think he could see that my human one was in a very vulnerable state with the fever, but that we could also sense there was something greater happening. So I think that there was just, it was naturally unspoken through that, that divine web of orchestration. Again, as you said, with your your parents and your family kind of holding space, there was some there was some subtle energetic exchange taking place where they just knew to to create that container for you.
0: Great, right. I love the way you articulated that. Very well said. Yeah, there's there's this isn't just this doesn't happen just in isolation. Uh, it's 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 all interconnected and through synchronicity and and grace and however you want to call it. So, so you passed out what next
1: um so i think i passed out and then when i woke up in the days that followed i was a i was non-functional in the sense that i think such a kind of ego death had occurred a profound level of ego death had occurred that when you go through these kind of ego shattering experiences or these these experiences where there is actually not enough that the ego can't even stand in its resistance there's nothing to stand against it's just so compelling the truth of what's happened it takes quite a while to integrate and assimilate that level I think of divinity in the human experience so for about four days after that I I, I was eating very little I think I was just eating um kind of dull porridge and uh And I was not walking or moving and doing very much. I was sat on the balcony for the majority of this time. We were in near Agonda. So I was able to go to the beach a few times. I was very lucky to be surrounded by the force of the divine mother, right? Nature in all of her beautiful expansive expression as she is in the South, in in all of India, but certainly in South India, it's just stunning. So I think I I was, my mind was thinking the yoga teacher training, I've got another, a course to go back to and every day you miss is 12 hours of content. And so there was the ego aspect that was very aware that I was missing this experience, but after three or four days of not forcing, just knowing that my body needed to recover, it was clear that I was not gonna go back to the course. So we met with the course practitioners and the teachers, um, explained what happened and again, it was so profound, I didn't have vocabulary to capture it. And so when I was explaining it to them, there was this aspect of me that was still very anchored in victim consciousness that was saying like, this thing happened to me and I don't know what what's going on. And there was a fever. And then I started speaking in tongues, which was the only point of reference I had being raised Christian. And so it, there was all this stuff and I had no other idea. I had no words to point to the fact that I think maybe this has been a Kundalini experience. And that was never that was never mirrored back to me by any of the practitioners either. There was never any mention of the Kundalini for whatever reason. And so they were very kind and gracious in that they refunded me for the course. I think they, they only only paid for what I did of the course and they refunded me the rest. Um, And so we spent the rest of the time that we had booked to stay in Agonda for the course, just recovering, integrating, enjoying the time there. I'd met a dog that I fell in love with when I was there. And I was she that was a that was also, I think, very important heart healing for me. So, you know, it was all just kind of being divinely orchestrated that I was going through this experience as I should have gone through it. And I think to me, that experience was a very profound pointer that we get what we need just not always in the ways that we think we need to get those experiences so right. for example you may enter into the system of yoga or begin to walk the yogic path with um that intention to awaken and to become more illuminated in your consciousness you may think that doing that requires you to do a 200 hour yoga teacher training then a 300 hour then a 500 hour and actually the divine knows the path to illumination So there was an aspect of me that felt like I failed by not completing the yoga teacher training. And at the same time, didn't I experience the very thing that at a subconscious and and ultimately kind of higher level I was seeking, which was more, which was purity and a purification of my consciousness. And so, you know, again, there is the human that sees the third dimensional reality of failure and incompletion and a questioning of like, why did it go this way? and you know from that limited vantage point we can't always see that there is a, a a divine orchestration taking place that is much more intricate complex and intelligent than i think the human mind will ever be able to make sense of um but i'm now increasingly living and being shown so uh, without question uh the, this orchestration and just how complex and intelligent this web of consciousness is and so I see now that everything happened exactly as it should have done, even if it counted the egoic <laughs> sense of what was right at the time.
0: Right. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's quite literally waking up like, you know, and they say, you know, you know, recognizing that you're in the matrix or something like that. It's, it's like, you you know, you look back and you see that the, the pieces were in place since you were a child, since the beginning of time to lead. Yeah to the next thing and the next thing and that brings about great surrender you recognize your ego you know you don't have much control but of course we still have to participate and that's clearly what uh what your you and your work is all about can you talk a little bit about how you must have felt when the people at the yoga uh teacher training weren't able to really let you in on what happened they didn't have much for you
1: I think at the time I thought it was a failing on my part to not um, adequately explain what had happened, and to and I felt ignorant actually looking back uh, and being able to point to it being a Kundalini awakening. I felt ignorant that I didn't have the vocabulary to know, so I didn't even think so much about their part in it. If I'm honest, I was grateful for their grace in letting me leave the training. Um, uh, but I think, I think perhaps what. It did show me at a wider level, which I think we were going to go on to discuss, but I think less about them, not necessarily pointing to the Kundalini specifically, but perhaps in the commodification of yoga as a system and um, spirituality in general, we have we, you know, to me, we can only truly understand the depths of this path and ultimately systems like yoga and what they're teaching us when we embody them when we embody those experiences directly and so we can offer yoga teacher trainings and we can participate them but there is a you cannot know wisdom from a book you can't learn it from the teacher you must be embodied in that and so I think perhaps what it pointed to at a more general level was perhaps the lack of embodied wisdom of what this path of illumination is truly about and actually that We have to be very careful in our hunger, in this increasing hunger for spiritual knowledge and increasing hunger in a a spiritually desolate and impoverished world for spirituality. We have to be mindful of the fact that we are in some ways taking shortcuts to access what we might deem illumination. Um, And in doing so, we don't always have the embodied pathways to know um, both what that what that path really looks like within and then to guide others through it and so I think this is why for me embodiment paired with spirituality is essential because I've realized on my journey I cannot teach anything I, I've le- you know I've been I've studied many different systems over the years I've explored Buddhism and yoga human design gene keys astrology there are many different systems even psychology that I've exposed myself intellectually to but For me to be able to teach something, I have to have embodied it, which for me means I have to walk through that alchemical rite of passage myself within my experience. I actually have to uh, anchor that frequency in my be it, know it, being know it and, and experience it from the inside out to be able to say I truly know it and I haven't just read it and assimilated it mentally. And so... I think it, what it illuminated for me is that there are a lot of people in teaching and guidance roles that perhaps are not teaching from a space of embodiment. And that's not to say that the people on my course didn't have embodied wisdom because there was I did I, there was a degree of um, authority and trustworthiness that I felt was there. But again, I don't know if, again, because perhaps they hadn't explored those pathways in their own being and in an embodied way, they did not necessarily have the roadmap to know that yoga is not a system in isolation in and of itself it is part of a much wider process of illumination which does involve what we call kundalini which does involve um a much wider alchemical process of masculine and feminine poles of god consciousness so um i don't blame the people on the course but i think it illuminated for me and made me very aware that um there is a hunger that i've had over my part the the time on my path for illumination that may want to bypass the very experiences we need to truly be embodied
0: Hmm.
1: right so it's like i want to get there for much of my journey when i was in deep suffering it was i want to be illuminated i want to be awakened i want to reach a stage of enlightenment enlightenment again the ego can want to attach to that state are we ready and prepared to go through what is necessary to get to that process, which is a process of deep deconditioning and purification. And I'm not, I don't, I think there are many people I'm awakening to in awakening spiritual, you know, communities that are not embodied in that knowing. And so I think this is where discernment comes in. You know, it's like not to to blanket mistrust people, not to say that, you um, most people don't know what they're doing, but it's just like to discern and really connect with our own body wisdom before we are engaging in anything and asking ourselves like, what is the intention driving my my need to want to participate in this? Where is that coming from? Is it coming from a almost a hungry ego place of like, I want to know more and I want to get there quickly. Is it coming from a place that's being driven by this consistent heart longing and desire? And to also just be discerning about like how, you know, how do I feel around the person that I'm speaking with? Can I feel in my body? Does it resonate deeply what they're sharing? um Because the body, I really truly believe, can sense the frequency and how embodied a person is and whatever they're sharing. We just have to kind of create enough clarity in our being to really sense, like, okay, how much of of that is coming from mind versus how much of it is, is it coming from a place of truth. So, yeah, that's my right. reflection on the yoga teacher training.
0: No, very well said. I, I agree. We can't um blame. I mean, that of course doesn't really get us anywhere anyway. Ultimately, it comes down to discernment. And uh for me, after I'd recognized I'd gone through a kundalini awakening, I sought uh yoga teacher training um with the intention of, you know, figuring out what the yoga what yoga was all about. Um and I remember at the, uh, you know, the info session, I just asked the teacher point blank, have you had a Kundalini awakening? Have you had any experience with this? Yes. Yes or no? And she said no. And I tuned in and I asked, you know, my, my intuition, am I still in the right place? And the answer was yeah. And I learned a lot about uh, the movement practices, which served me for helping me to embody. But I had the discernment to know the scope of what the teacher was able to offer me. Right. Not to come to them with, you know, far out Kundalini challenges and expect them to have any answers for me. Um, So I agree with you. Discernment on the part of the individual, on the consumer, on the student is is very important. Um, Now, because people are teaching from all different places, all different levels of consciousness, different levels of embodiment, different levels of experience. And um, things are happening so fast that we can't expect everybody to have, you know, you've been through it all and then begin to teach like we don't have time everyone's got a piece we share we move on as long as um i like to say you know as long as people are honest about their their own scope when they can say hey i don't know about that yes i find that some people can't do that um where they feel obligated to try and help instead of saying hey you know out of my scope here's a resource
1: yes
0: um and that can lead to trouble but um i I don't want to hijack our conversation here and go on on a pick rant no,
1: but i do think that what you've said about scope is super important just recognizing that everyone is is teaching or sharing or guiding if they're in that kind of role from the, their own state of embodiment and their own vantage point point. and actually this has been coming up a lot in my experience recently just really dissolving this paradigm of fixer rescuer savior um and being the one that needs fixing rescuing and saving And I think that throughout my journey, I entered into many of the modalities, many of the teachers, guides, coaches, mentors, gurus that I sought. I sought from a place of I'm the victim that needs rescuing and saving and you have something I don't have. Mm. So I think that actually being able to, commute, you know, recognizing that we are all both human and divine and that there are going to be limits to what the human, the nervous system is capable of holding at one time, what the human is capable of assimilating at any one point and not outsourcing all of our power to another individual and hoping that they hold the keys to our liberation and, and also still being able to value what they have embodied and saying, well, that's a piece of the jigsaw puzzle that I could use more of and that's great. And so I have no doubt that for some people during that yoga teacher training who had no experience of yoga asana and perhaps some of the other principles I think for some of them this was their first time ever ex- being exposed to the yoga uh, yogic system there was a lot of wisdom that was mined from that and perhaps mm. I got as much as I needed from that course at that point having already been kind of somewhat familiar with the system for a while um but I think what also I, I really reflected on was that I don't I don't know how I feel about these, these, um these experiences that try and pack a punch of like 200 hours in four weeks, you know. Um, again, I think it's like use with discretion, enter with discretion. Um, because ultimately, uh, as I'm learning on my journey, you know, this is this path of illumination of genuine illumination is not a quick process. And we can't, we can't, move through the process of embodying and um you know integrating the level of wisdom that's being we're being exposed to we can't we can't make that process any quicker than it's going to be like the human can be ready for a certain amount and actually i'm realizing that as much as as this is energetic container work it's nervous system work
0: Mm. your nervous
1: system at a biological level is only able to hold so much. We need to allow ourselves to resource a bit more to expand that nervous system container and capacity before we start bringing in more. That's something I've learned a lot as a channel. And so um, I do think that we have to, again, approach these kind of quick, almost quick fix. You know, you know, like yoga teacher trains, you can get your certification in a month and it sounds so compelling and so seductive to the aspect of us that wants things quickly and that we're so programmed to be in a consumer mindset with, right? We're so used to and programmed in this this mainstream society to consumerism, to instant gratification, to quick fixes, to silver bullets. And it extends beyond obviously a 200 hour yoga teacher training to anything, whether we're entering a course, uh, a workshop, a training just being really mindful to recognize the limits of what we're being exposed to, like the teacher and what they're able to teach us. And actually that the, what we're seeking at a deep level is already within us. The training course has the potential to awaken, illuminate, or mirror back that, but it's not giving us anything we don't already have. And I think a lot of the times I think this this hunger for spiritual illumination is coming from a place of disempowerment and thinking that that illumination is going to come from outside of ourselves. And this is why for me, as I move on my journey, it seems like a lot of the work I'm doing now and I will be doing is alchemizing this victim mentality into really understanding what it means to be empowered and embodied in our spirituality so that we are To me, moving from a place of authenticity and integrity, because that's a lot of my path too. I've really been, I'm really, having been so energetically sensitive my whole life, I'm realizing now that my entire life experience has been preparation to become energetically masterful in my own particular way, so that I do not um, accumulate more karma, so that I am energetically clean and pure in the way that I move through my experience as best I can. Um, because that's the only place where we're not going to get lost in fallacy and where we're going to seed these new paradigms and these new ways of being they have to come from a place of purity humility from the heart from integrity from embodiment instead of that mental egoic hunger so yeah a bit of a tangent there but yeah I I feel so much of what you're saying with regards to knowing the limits of what we're being met with and knowing our own capability at all times knowing that we are being rooted in that knowing, even if we don't feel it, that the power we're seeking is within us and that it's just going to be mirrored back or illuminated by perhaps what we're experiencing externally.
0: Right, right. Well said. So you mentioned, us, uh, you know, the trajectory of your work overall as a light worker, as a guide, as a spiritual embodiment guide. We'll get into more about your work towards the end of our conversation. But for those that are interested, I want to invite them to take a look at the description to find out more about Natasha's work. But let's continue our conversation. Um, you, you mentioned so your twin flame. So you've been peppering that term here and there throughout your story. What's the significance of, uh, of your twin flame uh, encounter relationship in your journey overall?
1: Um, I would say that that relationship dynamic has been as potent as the Kundalini, and actually i i think intrinsically linked uh and in the simplest terms, like meeting this individual um allowed me to meet God in another human, okay. so I met uh, the divine. Uh, was mirrored back to me and experienced through this other person. Um, and I've met this person five years ago, so it's been some time now uh, in this connection. And it wasn't, uh, it was initially a very polarized experience, um, which again, I think is part of the nature of this particular soul dynamic. In that, when I think you are asleep and your soul has chosen to experience this soul dynamic, the the dynamic will trigger such a radical level of awakening that it will also then draw out everything that obscures the knowing that's being illuminated through the connection. Right. So it's like the moment I met this man uh, who who I believe very deeply to be my my twin or, you know, and again, even that term, perhaps I should just sort of provide some context for what I feel that term means, because I think there's an awful lot of um contention around what that means and there's a lot of like misinformation around what that means for me a twin flame I, I do believe is um that someone that holds the same soul frequency as us in another body uh, this is deep in that at one point we are all we are all expressions of the unified field so in some ways we've all been individualized from the one the twin flame to me is another level perhaps of that individualization process where it is is the soul has decided to experience binaries and polarity in a very intense way through another being for the process of coming into inner union with the masculine and feminine poles of consciousness and so the soul decides to use external polarities, duality, and binary terms of masculine and feminine, whether that's male to male, male to female, female to female, it doesn't matter. We both hold both poles of consciousness. One will typically hold the masculine pole. One will typically hold the feminine pole. The soul is using that external mirror as a very stark mirror to do the inner union work. So that to me is what the twin flame relationship is. To me, it's just one path of mastery of which there are innumerable paths of mastery so it's not better than or worse than it's not a hierarchical path it's just a path the soul chooses um i don't also believe everyone is going to experience this path in in this incarnation i think it is i also believe it does take a certain degree of soul evolution to get to the point where the soul just decides that that path of mastery is what's going to help come in come back to unification so i think the soul has to have gone through a degree of experiences that has allowed the stage to be set for unification within to take place, right? It's not a, it's not a quick process It will take many lifetimes for us to prepare for this process of unification and returning to wholeness. And I'm not suggesting that it, for me, it's going to finish in this life, but that process has now tangibly begun uh, at a conscious level through this particular, particular dynamic. So when I met this individual, um, Essentially, I was going through these kind of um, neurological experiences that no one could pinpoint the cause of. I felt guided to find an alternative route. Um, I was considering four chiropractors, and and interestingly, three were in my hometown. And this particular one was like a forty five minute drive away, and yet I still felt called cool to go there for some reason. And of course, you know, it was orchestrated in such a way that, of course, this individual was in this location, and it was. It was destined, I feel, for me to go there and have that experience with him. And it happened instantly, the recognition. You know, I've never had it in such a way where um, he walked down the stairs and into the waiting room. And the moment I saw him, um, the only way I can describe it is that the poles of the earth shifted. There was a moment of such profound recognition and awakening. But even though it was a split second of oh my goodness, it was so stark that it provided enough contrast to see that I'd been living in a lot of darkness and in a lot of illusion because I'd just experienced the you know what it's like to be in uh, the light of illumination of, of being in, in the light of the divine in that kind of remembrance process. So I, I, that initial meeting with him, I was sat in this waiting room, my human desperately trying to like grasp for the words that were coming out of his mouth while simultaneously just looking at this being saying, I don't understand why there is such a profound and deep level of recognition I didn't know I didn't have any You know, I still was very early on in terms of soulmates and understanding the soul's journey. I was still just moving from perhaps a more state of like ego awareness and mindfulness. I wasn't thinking perhaps of the wider soul journey and past lives and all of the the karmic journey. So um, this process with him was both for me, uh, a way to tangibly experience the path to unconditional love through a lot of intense polarity so in our connection there was both this intense unconditional love recognition of the other and it being in the presence of someone when in their presence i experienced god through them and although i could say it was because i was with him really i was experiencing the divine within myself it was just that that person's presence allowed me to access that state of embodiment at that point um but simultaneously, it was also illuminating and bringing up in our 3D experience many, uh, di- you know, dissonant timelines, a lot of anger, a lot of he broke um, the practitioner or client dynamic in the way that he then began to interact with me because he felt it too. Yeah. And so there were many, there were boundaries that were crossed, there were there were many things that were then echoing previous timeline timelines. Um, distortions or dissonance that we had to clear in this life Um, and so the process has been an intense schooling on how to embody unconditional love because the level of betrayal the level of anger the level of grief the level of anger the level of dissonance that we've experienced at times has been probably the deepest I've experienced with another human while simultaneously something much wider The field of unconditional love the unified field holding this connection and over time as we have alchemized the more the more dissonant aspects what's come into play is just um a harmony in the 3d while simultaneously that level of harmony in the 3d mirroring my own state of inner union and so throughout this journey what has been just truly mind-blowing to witness is how as I shift energetically and it's not, you know, I can be in times when I'm not in contact with him as I am now. Uh, There have been moments where we didn't speak for a year. For example, I was moving through a very intense alchemical process of just focusing on self-love, focusing on integration, focusing on seeing all the, because the thing with this connection is the level of magnetism that you feel to this individual, this, the, the, the call the soul feels to unite with this individual is so strong that all the ways that you are not in your center are going to show up. So you will get pulled out of integrity. You'll get pulled out of alignment again and again and again. And that is so you can purify and alchemize those aspects. And so that the times when we've been in separation have been times for me to consolidate within my own being what self-love means, what it means to be truly anchored in energetic integrity and alignment so that i'm not letting egoic desire override my soul's wisdom for what's in the highest good Mm. like yes i i want to be with this person so to speak and i also see that being with this person is not in the highest good given the 3d circumstances given what my boundaries and values are at this moment and i choose to honor that over the magnetism that maybe the human feels drawn to right and so It's just been a very intense process of becoming consolidated within myself through a dynamic that I've experienced with an external other.
0: Right. Fascinating. Sounds very intense. Um, I've been through a very similar twin flame dynamic myself. Um, People that haven't experienced such a thing don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Understandably so. Um, it is uh it's 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 unlike any other uh relationship dynamic. And I I, I saw the other day um there's a doctor, I believe her name is Dr. Romani. She does a lot of work uh on uh narcissistic personality disorder, um yes. different types of abuse and relationships and whatnot. And she she was talking about this new age concept of the twin flame dynamic and how a yeah. lot of people may use it to justify forms of abuse and manipulation and so it's i'm just sharing that just once again that word discernment is coming up um sometimes people caught up in spirituality may justify an abusive dynamic by saying well this is my twin flame it's what i have to go through but really it's abuse or the person themselves said hey i'm your twin flame you got to deal with me you got to put up with this or maybe somebody's doing it to another so there's a lot of far out things here that of course outsiders professionals look into the spiritual community and say these are a bunch of bunch of weird crazy people um you know like what's going on over there um but i mean speaking from experience yeah it's 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 a real thing intense 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 i
1: i'm really glad you brought up that because that came through yesterday as a download to like At some point, I I want to make a video about twin flame versus narcissistic empath dynamics and trauma bonding, because I can see how, unless there is that embodied understanding of the nuances of energy, of your own degree to discern, how it would be very easy to conflate the two. And when you are using just vocabulary to try and point to this experience the vocabulary can be mirrored and so this is why for me it's you know and I'm sure you feel the same It is an experience beyond words it is beyond anything that words can actually capture because it is not in the realm of the known human experience it is really a divine experience and so I will say for anyone that is going through a twin flame connection or thinks they are there what you will find in this connection that you will not find in a narcissistic empathic trauma bonded relationship is that more harmony more peace more integration will come the further along you go down that line um more the the journey should inspire more um self-sourcing more connection to god the further along you go if the connection is causing you increased suffering and increased disconnection and you feel on that journey And of course, there are going to be moments when we get pulled out. But just in terms of like your your kind of deeper level of integration, if you don't feel that it's offering any deeper level of um, divine recognition, remembrance, then use your discernment to say, is this a connection that is um, truly serving me? Or is it actually something that I'm manifesting and subconsciously attracting from a part of me that is trying to re-experience what's been familiar to my nervous system. So in those empath narcissistic uh, trauma bonds, the empath typically experiences a lot of chaos and a lot of either narcissistic or imbalanced dynamics in childhood. And then I do believe that we are creating our experience from the subconscious realm and so, we are then manifesting in our 3D reality in the now someone that's just going to mirror back what those unhealed parts are still seeking subconsciously so that we can witness it and then become conscious. And there are aspects within the twin dynamic that mirror that. But what this dynamic will do is there's enough unconditional love and awareness in the field, in the shared field for you to see and alchemize that over time. So if to me, if there is no progress being made in the dynamic in terms of your own integration process and your connection to God uh, and being more solidified than in that, then really, I would encourage someone to question the nature of that connection, whether it's really serving them, whether it's twin flame or not, because these are all labels. Just ask, is this actually serving in a union? Is this serving my my journey of remembrance and coming back to deeper love within myself?
0: Well said, yes. Yes, um, that is brilliant advice and a brilliant way of discerning between a narcissistic type of dynamic and the so-called twin flame dynamic, and, and that uh, echoes my experience. Um, because throughout the whole thing, I did move more and more towards, um, I think you you said self sourcing, unconditionally loving myself, and I actually haven't been um. In touch with my so-called twin flame but after i was able to become self-sufficient and go through whatever was brought up in that dynamic i found myself in a a soulmate relationship which is harmonious today um and and, you know it's we've been together for for many years and uh just want to validate what you said that you know if i was in a narcissistic uh relationship i don't think i would have been able to um uh heal as, as quickly as I did, um, no. through what I would call the twin flame based on what you're saying. So, so thank you. That That's, that's useful. I, I, I get a lot of, uh, comments and, and contacts from people saying, you know, I think I met my twin flame. I don't know what to do. It's, it's madness. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's something, it's something else. <laughs> um, but that's some really great insight. And, um, I think you've got some more talks on your channel about, uh, twin flames as well
1: yeah i've got a couple of videos and i offer twin flame coaching specifically just purely because this has been my primary i would say like my primary path by the kundalini to real inner union alchemy and understanding the poles of consciousness and how they are both internalized and reflected externally so um, it's something i want to make more content on but what i'm also learning with the twin flame dynamic is we are going through these specific dynamics not just to create um a network of people who feel like they are exclusive in that experience we are going through to me for me we're going through these very potent hyper chambers of any union so that we can share the process of any union alchemy with others so the teachings can be transferred to any dynamic any relationship right they're not exclusive to twin flame
0: oh yes yes that's great yes yes the lessons we learn are are universally applicable for sure great yeah so like i said links will be in the description to check out some more of uh natasha's work but uh, let let's go back to a little bit about your uh, your kundalini process so of course since 2019 uh, you've been working towards further embodiment further integration what what's that look like for you is there ongoing purging um are, are things stabilized how are things been over the past few years
1: so I would say that initial year, year and a half after the initial awakening was a very destabilizing experience. Um, uh, I started, you know, that purification process and that level of charge that happens when the Kundalini rises in that profound and spontaneous way. For me, it takes a long time to integrate and assimilate to come for the human to catch up right because again we this there are there are multi multiple layers happening and being experienced simultaneously um uh that first year and a half was very challenging and very uh, very confusing because i was not on social media i again didn't have very many frames of reference for like um the experiences that I was having, which for me are those more starseed, perhaps experiences of access to the multidimensionality and potential uh, kind of cosmic origins. And again, this is not exclusive to any one person. I believe we all have this level of multidimensionality. It was just being exposed to that in such a intense way was very confusing for my humans. So I started channeling light language spontaneously. When we were speaking earlier about these spontaneous yogic this spontaneous yogic wisdom that gets channeled through a Kundalini awakening and that these, these other masters that have come before that they've channeled and integrated spontaneous mudras were very common for me. So generally uh, my eyes would roll into shambhavi mudra and I would go into a trance channel state involuntarily for many, many months after. And it was like, I was going through a cosmic elevator and just a pillar of light moving through many, 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 many layers without any substances, you know, without having to do anything at all. I was never someone that utilized substances on my journey. And so for my human who had no frame of reference and be going up this pillar of light, me having these very multi-dimensional experiences where I was starting to see in in these realms, other beings that were not human, lion beings, bird beings, beings that resent, were humanoid, but had different colors and frequencies it was very confusing scary to the part of me that had no frame of reference and so in 2020 i believe that was the year that i both joined social media and i also uh, that was the year after the kundalini awakening when i asked you know i was going through all these spontaneous um kind of channeling experiences and i kept receiving what i was calling cosmic phone calls where my whole body would start to vibrate and then the channel would open and I would ha- experience the spontaneous mudra and I would go up and I w- I had such egoic resistance that I was ke- I kept saying, I don't want it. I don't want any of this. I don't know what's happened. I didn't know I'd had a Kundalini awakening. I don't want any of this. I just want to go back to normal, <laughs> you know. Right? Uh, so I was in a lot of denial of what was happening. But I had this insight to join Instagram um, and through actually social media was huge for me and joining Instagram allowed me to start connecting to people who were just channeling light language i didn't know what it was at the time but i was being drawn to in my field people who were going through similar experiences and it was in 2021 actually with tim who tim and i had broken up by that point but we met up um and we had a conversation he said i think because he'd moved to bristol in the uk and, and i'd moved somewhere else and we met at one point and he said you know i think you had a kundalini awakening that that uh during that experience and I'd come to a similar conclusion not long before and I think it was like April 2021 that I finally found the vocabulary to capture what happened and I said yeah I think I think so too and you know learning about light language and starseed and then starting to understand this kind of soul alchemical ascension process if you like just this evolutionary process that was happening started to help me find a pathway back to understanding the kundalini and again, I was not integrated or embodied in that understanding, but it, I was beginning to develop the awareness at that point. Um, and so, you know, the, the process has been challenging for me. And I would I wouldn't say it's still super challenging at a day-to-day level, but it does continue to test my human in that what I experience at a day-to-day level is kind of what I used to experience prior to the to the awakening but it's amplified so my my experience of energy is still very intense so I've been very sensitive to energy my whole life uh, intent you know being able to feel what's in people's fields being able to feel emf um, wi-fi data um, being able to feel other things in people's fields uh, that has been very heightened for me since the kundalini awakening but I will say that in the time after the Kundalini Awakening, most of my awareness, energy, attention was in the upper chakras. So I think that that's where predominantly I'd been most comfortable heart up uh, and most connected to the crown, most connected to the third eye. And so for me, that's why this path of embodiment is so essential in this process because it is forced, but really lovingly forced me to descend that level of awareness and that level of kind of cosmic connection and to ground it you know and and what i've realized in this process is that we are here to be bridges we're in form to merge human and divine not to bypass the human experience and to be solely in these kind of transcendental states but to actually descend the level of spiritual wisdom insight that cosmic connection and bring it through into this human um form into this level of density so that we can transform this level of density because I believe that there's a much more prosperous wealthy abundant reality available for the shared collective experience when we come into these this space of embodiment which is anchored in our innate divinity so I see now at times when I was so ungrounded and I was so You know, feeling like such a victim of being a channel and being in these kind of higher frequencies and being exposed to very high frequencies and not knowing what the fuck to do with that. I'm seeing how uh, and how I used to associate with being someone that was, you know, very airy fairy and spiritual and everything on my journey. And I'm seeing that actually the medicine for that was focusing on being a conscious human. How can I in my day-to-day moment-to-moment experience be present, be anchored in my body, um, ground myself? What helps me in the here and now in this human vessel and vehicle move through my day and help me to and helps my energy to stabilize? Um, And so there, there was a time, I think most of last year, where my channel started to shut down. And I wasn't channeling light language and the real focus, this was a year after my my twin flame and I had come into brief union for five months. In the year that followed, I was in a real year of embodiment, really anchoring this knowing that, okay, for me to really rise high, so to speak, and to be able to access this wisdom in a grounded way, I have to have my roots established i have to descend into those lower centers and to descend that consciousness and to anchor these frequencies in rather than constantly seeking to escape up you know so the pillar had to be fully established and is continuing to be fully established and so what that's looked like for me has been you know there have been periods throughout this process where i've gone through very intense ego deaths multiple ego deaths not quite as intense as the kundalini explosion in india but similar level experiences where uh the kundalini has you know pure been purifying me my light language has come through i often will enter into altered states of consciousness my body will enter into kind of like a somatic release and there may be mudras there may be other things that happen they usually have been quite explosive for me but i will say that that is because um, my ego has been in resistance to them. Mm-hmm. So, what I found is that the less I resist the movement of this energy and how it wants to move through me, the less um, suffering I induce for myself. And that's really where the alchemizing of the victim consciousness comes in, right? because we 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 resist um this purification process, and however it wishes to manifest because we believe on some level we're being a victim to a force outside of ourselves that we don't have any power or control over. And actually we fail to see that this is a co-creative experience and that it is truly serving our deepest soul longing to come back to, to unification within. And it's funny that this call has been postponed because I've only in the last two weeks come to a deeper level of embodiment and understanding of the divinity of this and if you don't mind for me to share this now well, oh, i would love it yeah um i yeah uh, probably just over a week ago where are we so last monday um i started my menstrual cycle and and there's been some you know i'm as someone that is a channel and very highly sensitive to energy i do feel waves in the collective sometimes i get prophetic waves of things incoming for the collective and oftentimes i will get Uh, waves of an understanding of what's moving through the collective in terms of collective themes. And I've been feeling very strongly this collective theme of the the rising of the divine feminine, the rising of the divine feminine and not obviously exclusive to women, but exclusive, uh, this, this realm of feminine consciousness that is awakening through the Kundalini and of course in each and every one of us that has been suppressed, repressed, denied ignored and deliberately distorted in human consciousness for thousands of years by the patriarchy this aspect of consciousness is now coming online and in the recent months through my own personal experience again catalyzing this i had again this is the thing with the kundalini she will purify us of all experiences that block us being empowered in in who we are and there was an experience that happened during childhood that i did not have conscious awareness that only came into my conscious awareness at the beginning of this year that had was was um, heartbreaking. Something that happened that um, has been the most challenging thing I've ever had to heal. Um, And that has brought up intense rage, intense anger towards the masculine, intense victimhood. And uh, through that portal, I then became connected to not just my own sense of anger, rage, I don't wanna say hostility, but just this real, this, this rage towards the masculine pole of consciousness that has not just been in my experience, but has actually been a thread carried through my ancestral line and is of course, has been saturated through the collective consciousness because the feminine pole of consciousness, intuition, sensitivity, emotionality, expression, creativity, sensuality, this has been distorted and denied within all beings. So we all carry this sense and this longing to integrate this aspect, and we also carry a fear of this aspect. And so through many years of um, having to awaken to what I would call the dark feminine energy, which to me are the archetypes of Kali, perhaps Persephone, Hecate, these um, uh, Lilith. These aspects of the Divine Mother of the Feminine Consciousness that are wild, that are uncontainable, that are that are the they are the aspects of consciousness that, to me, the establishment has feared, that the the wounded masculine pole of consciousness has been deeply in fear of, and then and deeply in fear of the power of, and so have. You know, deliberately shut down and demonized, and I use that word demonization very specifically because uh, there was an experience I had with a mentor of mine who I'd been working with for four years on, since meeting my twin twin flame on past life alchemy and soul remembrance. I could always sense in her work that there was a there was a the frequency of the church was there. There was a there was a sense of purity around her teachings that felt like they were carrying church energy. And there was, I always, for for some intuitive reason, sensed that I couldn't bring my Kundalini, the truth that I was going through a Kundalini awakening that was channeling light language to her, that I always withheld that information. So when I brought it to her in our last meeting and I and I didn't even really want to go to see her at this point, I only went because a friend of mine was going and I was driving my friend. When I told her, I was saying I'm having these experiences and they are destabilizing, but I trust that it's some part of something bigger, she had basically said to me that I had been possessed, that I had allowed a demonic entity to enter my body and that I was hosting evil energy. and it was it was so jarring. It was so, it triggered such a deep karmic fear of of aligning with darkness. That it forced a very profound ego death. And this was in 2021. And what that process did, initially, I was going to abandon everything. I was going to abandon the system of yoga. I was going to abandon my spiritual journey. I was only going to focus on mindfulness. I went through a process where I was ready to pack it all in. And my soul said, Go deeper, go deeper. There is something else in this. There is medicine in this. And When I sat with that fear of darkness, what came to me was that I feared the feminine. I feared the dark feminine, specifically, that aspect of feminine consciousness that is wild, you know, the archetype of Lilith being the first mate of Eve, or sorry, of Adam in the Adam and Eve story that couldn't be tamed, that, you know, would not be um, the subject that would not be submissive. She was, she was a wild power and she wouldn't be subjugated or or in any way dominated by her masculine counterpart and that wildness was ejected from the garden of eden right that's the kind of mythology um at the same time that wildness has been ejected from human consciousness and so there has been a domestication of the feminine in the form of eve where only the good girl only the passive only the people pleaser and the submissive has been um, allowed to saturate collective consciousness when it comes to the feminine, and that comes through in the Mother Mary symbology. Or we're either the feminine is either the virgin or mother, or she's the whore. Yeah. You know. And so there has not been this acceptance and this integration of these these wild, primal, and deeply powerful aspects of the feminine. And so I'm talking about that kind of experience with being pointed, you know, being said that there, there was like a demonic energy in my field because that initiated me starting to integrate dark feminine energy or the true primal force of feminine energy, which is the Kundalini and becoming consciously aware of this power. And so last week, having gone through many initiations with understanding just how suppressed this aspect of consciousness has been and how I believe I'm here partly to be a channel for the reintegration of this energy through my own embodied experience, Um, I was feeling this humming of rage within myself, within the feminine connective, which was a roar of the divine mother saying like, you will not deny me because when you deny me, you deny yourself. And I sat in meditation, just feeling this hum in me of, I don't know, there's nothing for me to do, but to just witness this experience of this energy moving. And I met Kali within myself. You know, I've heard of, Carly, I've read about Carly again, I've intellectually and conceptually understood the energy of Carly, it was the first time I felt Carly humming through my veins, I felt her roar in every cell. And it was so vast, it was so cosmic, it was so expansive, it was so all-encompassing, that of course the human ego fears this power. How on earth does the human even begin to understand a force this great? And It was a true understanding of, uh, to me, it helped to begin to alchemize another layer of victimhood in terms of the Kundalini, because I realized that this force is not separate to me again. It's being experienced through me, as me, in me, and that this is, the Kundalini is schooling me in how to integrate and embody these frequencies of being. So, yeah, I don't, I can't even remember your original question, but certainly integrating the divine mother and really integrating, uh, reintegrating this aspect of feminine consciousness that has been so long dispelled from conscious awareness has, I think, been the most significant aspect of my journey since that initial explosion. Um, and I'm finally getting to a place where I feel more and more empowered in that there's a long way to go i i know but i am really beginning to see now that there is a great an immense power that wants to move through us and that is what the kundalini is is doing she is helping us to become embodiment of this cosmic god force and is not to be feared because it's our true nature it's not separate too but it's a lot for the human ego
0: Force. wow yes Yes, this is a major theme that emerged for me uh, as well, which is the acknowledgement of the feminine. Um, I, I, of course, our, our experiences have been different for you. It just may have involved, you know, having your, your feminine essence, uh, you know, be denied as well as for me, um, we've had our own different challenges for me, the challenge was embracing the feminine side of myself mm. as a man. It was, it was also been difficult. Mm. Like I'm saying, as, uh, as a woman for yourself, it must've also been, um, challenging in its own way. But I mean, if you look around like the color, this was never me, you know, I was really about just black and, and, um, I I came into contact with this divine feminine emotional dynamic power and I could do nothing but surrender and, and give it all up to her. And, um, though, like we're saying, you know, she has the potential to be dark and fierce. I feel that she's the divine mother. And of course, like a mother, very nurturing and loving, but a mother can also be fierce as well. Um, Contains both uh, uh, types of the polarities there. uh, And and that's why in my work, um, you may have noticed the thumbnails that I use. It's all uh, feminine goddesses, representations of this archetype of the divine mother. And that's just my... My way of emphasizing the feminine here because some can refer to this energy this awakening through a masculine lens right it's uh yeah. it's the holy spirit uh, it's the descent of grace the god coming down um we can look at this through the lens of shiva um and and th- those are valid approaches as well but but part of my contribution to this awakening that's happening here is to look at it through the lens of the feminine yeah um And uh, so I thank you for that, for your, for your example here as well, for embodying the feminine um, without shame. Of course, you said there's, there's, you know, some, some way to go for us all there is. I don't think there's ever a a perfect completion, but the work that you're doing, it's, it's really incredible. Um, It's inspiring. Uh, And, and, um, you know, I'm excited to see how your journey continues to unfold. Um, you know, based on what you're just sharing, these recent, uh, developments of, uh, you know, the, the, the defined, the divine feminine coming forth to be integrated and, and, um, it's great energy coming from you, from your work. It's very inspiring. So thank you. So as we wrap up here, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you lately in terms of your, your work, your service, your light work, your offerings. I believe you have a retreat coming up mm-hmm. for those that are interested, where can they connect with you further?
1: um so i'm on instagram um and the handle will be in the comments but all of my um all of my work at the moment feels like i am i'm kind of being guided to create containers where this uh, this intuitive innate force of life can 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 kind of animate um on its own like uh, what what i'm really really feeling compelled to emphasize at the moment is that i'm not doing anything you know my work feels more and more less about i'm a guide i'm a healer yes i channel light language yes i channel energy healing and this and that and the other but primarily i actually consider myself to be a priestess and that has been one of the remembrances that has come through on this journey Uh, remembrance of the rose lineage and again this is such subtle these are such subtle realms of remembrance that it can be easily missed but I've had this call of the rose this uh this journey and uh, experience of Mary Magdalene of Hathor of this lineage of of the feminine consciousness that longs to be reintegrated and I feel that in this life part of my offering is to be a precess which means to be a bridge between human and spirit and to hold sacred space in a way that empowers others. So my offerings do tend to evolve as I evolve right now. um, My kind of big container that's coming up is a retreat that I'm holding with a fellow sister uh, in September in Morocco, which is called Reset and Rewild. Um, And this is an intimate container of eight women that we're calling in to really move through this alchemical process of integrating the divine feminine in her many forms. So as you said, there are many faces of the feminine. There is the fierce mother, there is the gentle mother. There are these many archetypes, as we see them mirrored in mythology and, and through you know ancient stories and myths. And that retreat to me is a portal and it feels like a very special initiation for the women that feel called to join us to move into another level of a feminine embodiment and also you know for me honoring the part the masculine consciousness plays is essential because the masculine is the container being able to move through our life with presence to be able to cultivate a resilient mindset this is essential these masculine principles to contain to create the cons- the container and structure of our lives that is what holds this dynamic life force to move through in a powerful way if we don't harmonize both aspects we can't actualize our full potential so part of our work will be also creating the container working on mindset working you know the 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 foundation was yoga uh, mindfulness and breath work but we will be weaving in lots of embodiment practices dance uh, psychic circles um, things that i love doing rage rituals really allowing these many faces of the feminine to move and be embodied and actualized because what we are really moving through is, is 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 transmuting shame and transmuting guilt and transmuting perhaps these shadow unconscious aspects around the feminine and letting her be seen, letting her be integrated um, in her many forms. So, you know, interestingly, since that experience with Carly, a very profound shift has happened again, and I'm finding that these these shifts are happening quick, more quickly. The cycles of Uh, of alchemization are happening more and more quickly now for me Um, and so another shift has happened where I've just been so I will preface by saying that one of my huge blocks has been receiving I'm someone that has been naturally very heart-led my whole life and very called to be of service in a place that you know money is not um, and has never been a motivation for me it never will be this work to me is sacred. If I could do this work for free, and I didn't need to pay to eat to live, I would do it for free. Um, And so that has always led my work. And yet I found myself throughout my life in cycles of burnout and, uh, and struggling, you know, in scarcity and lack and whatnot. And in the last week or so, there has been this profound shift in finally being ready to receive, not just materially but being able to receive the divine mother being able to receive the nourishment of this process being able to receive the energy that is always available to us through the unified field right through the web of consciousness that connects us all which is god consciousness both masculine and feminine in pole these this this web that is feeding life and creating life i've been very resistant to receiving because of the wounding that i've had around typically experiences that I've received in the past that felt very damaging. Recently moving through and alchemizing that is allowing me to receive life. So what has happened in an, in a kind of mind-blowing and magical way in the last week is that as I've opened to receiving and, and saying very intentionally, I want to give generously. And so I need to be able to receive gratefully and generously because I know the work I want to do. I want to touch as many people as I can in a humble intentional and authentic way where I am never, where my work is never marred by um, those fear-based frequency of scarcity and lack, where I'm always in trust. And since that intention was set, um, we've had three bookings for the retreat. Um, We, and a a woman I connected with yesterday out of nowhere who found me on YouTube, she's in Nigeria. She She booked a discovery call she paid up front you know there's just been this wonderful flow of like of energy into my field so with regards to the reset and rewilding retreat we have three spaces left on that now um and i'm really moving into more and more trust that the women that need this this container and this level of work will find us um and for me uh, it is a co-creative experience you know myself and kaylee and we're also bringing in two additional soul sisters um who are also energy healers and who are going to be providing very high vibrational food um the container we're creating is big and it's to hold women in all of their facets and so um i'm trusting that the women that need that level of dynamic work and integration and who who are ready to go that deep because also It will be profound we are looking to 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 meet the aspects of us that perhaps in everyday life we don't always meet that they will find us but if you feel called to join me on that retreat um i have a landing page which describes it i also offer free discovery calls so because for me this is co-creative it's not about the exchange of money of course for the level of energy output that we are doing for the venue that we're holding it in for the container we're creating there needs to be some flow back to us so that we can sustain our human. Of um but um for me this is not about the money this is about having women that are energetically aligned and prepared to go through this alchemical process because this is what i'm realizing as someone that's very attuned to energy and that's been very clearly demonstrated to me this week everything is energetic when we're creating packages offerings retreats it's not about the physical offering it's about the level of energetic integrity that we're bringing how solid do we feel in in what we're bringing do we truly see the value in it do we truly feel worthy of receiving the level of money we're asking for are we energetically able to hold the women or whoever that we're bringing into our field at the level we want to hold them so for me this work is really getting energetically prepared so that I can descend that level of energetic holding into the physical Um, so it's co-creative so if anyone does feel called I really encourage you to book a discovery call it's funny that I had a coach last year who was so anchored in the masculine way of approaching sales and and coaching? And I was trying to create a business, but I didn't have a framework. So of course, I went down that traditional route, just stumbling, trying to find some way of doing it. And I spent many thousands of pounds on that experience. And what that showed me was all the ways I am not here to work. Mm. I'm not here to solicit and to demand and to market and to cold call and all of this old. To me, this is old paradigm. To me, the new paradigm of um, creating services is soul led it's heart led it's knowing that we magnetize our experiences from love rather than needing to push from fear so um for the women that do feel called if you want a discovery call with me um there is no obligation Uh, i think in my in my when i approach from this level of the heart it's already clear in the conversation whether or not it's resonant for both of us and we can both be very honest about that there doesn't need to be any um sense of obligation or heaviness around that so i i love these calls they're an opportunity to connect with women and also to see you know i can offer to a woman if i can't support maybe i can outsource to someone or to a system that can support so it's also for a way for me to provide access to other resources if that's if that's relevant so the reset and rewild retreat is happening 24th to 29th of september in morocco um what else have we got going on? Um, at the moment I'm offering primarily online services. So I offer twin flame coaching. So for those that are specifically in the twin flame dynamic that are actually wanting to do the inner union alchemy work and not just attached to the Disney, to the Disney love story paradigm, I offer um that process, um, which is a container. Um, uh, it can either be a singular session or multiple if people need need multiple. But I again I tend to find with my work that um, most people come to me and they have one or two sessions and and I tend not to offer blocks because um, I'm finding that this is a fluid or organic outpouring. People seem to come to me when they're on the cusp of a realization or insight, the the container catalyzes that insight and then often people will go on and it's, it's actually very beautiful to see because it, they become self-reliant and self-sourced from the session. And I don't, I, I'm wary of creating dynamics that encourage codependency, but mm. that's an option if someone needs longer containers. I also provide just general spiritual path guidance. Um, and my most recent offering is being off, uh, be, I've been called to offer soul ceremonies, either in person or online. So these are containers of like usually an hour and a half, maybe two hours where um, I allow myself to really be in priestess mode, rather than coming from you know just like kind of concepts and ideas and 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 maybe more coaching. It's actually more just an outpouring where um, I'm a projector in human design. So one of my gifts for those that are familiar with the system is my ability to kind of access a per- person's aura in a way that I can sample through their energy and their frequency, perhaps what is most needed to assimilate and integrate at a soul level. And I'm finding that my channeling um does this intuitively Um, and so what's been happening recently is that my channel has started to bring through codes that again will just awaken uh perhaps another level of remembrance within beings so this container is very co-creative someone can share what it is that they would like illumination on i transfer the codes there may be instant insight there may be insight that i get as i channel Uh, And it's really just a chamber of soul activation and integration. So if someone feels called, that's also available. Um, And, you know, my work is fluid. So as a human design projector, I also work best when I'm invited. When I'm invited to use my energy by someone that recognizes my gifts, my skills, my talents. So if someone comes to me with a request, I feel into whether that feels good. And then when the time is aligned, I would be happy to offer it that if it feels aligned. So... Always open to even content, content suggestions and offerings and whatnot. Whatever feels most relevant and needed from from the community.
0: Great. Well, thank you, and and of course you've got your YouTube channel, which is how uh, I came across you and your work. Yeah. Some some great uh, talks and and uh, insights there for people to check out as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing everything there that you've shared, especially the the inspiration around. The inspirational message around being open to receive, I think that many, many of us, myself included, have this uh, in general. But in particularly, it seems to be something that affects a lot of lightworkers. Um, you know, we want to serve. I, I think that the reason we're going through this transformation is to be of service. And of course, um, some may feel that we only must begin the work when we're perfect, ready, you know, fully enlightened but the work provides context for further growth in the way that you're describing there. You know, you, you made some, some leaps and bounds in your uh, worthiness, you could say, and your willingness mm-hmm. to receive. And suddenly it starts to show up. And that's when the work gets really exciting when the work that we're doing is also work for ourselves. Oh, it's, it's, it's really, really powerful stuff. It's it really is. powerful and exciting. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Natasha, for yeah. for sharing. Um, we really uh, covered a lot today uh, together. we, talked about your your build up to the kundalini awakening process super exciting intense some some uh some challenging stuff of course um i invite those out there that are more curious about your kundalini uh talk to check it out it's it's really good i think it's one of the one of the best talks i've heard about oh, uh kundalini you. awakening and and so i'm really happy that we got to chat and, and go deep Me into too. some other things um twin flames the yoga scene um integration healing embodiment of course so thank you thank you so much i really, really appreciate it um thank you. to all those out there thanks so much for spending some time with us giving us your attention all the links to natasha's work will be in the description check it all out and uh, be sure to connect with her uh on her socials as well so no, thank Fred, you natasha thank you
1: so much for having oh. me on this container and also thank you for the work you're doing because there's oh. um I've, yeah, again, I've come across many teachers on this path and people guiding, and um, I absolutely love the place that you're sharing from. I feel the, inte- the the integrity and the authenticity of it, the embodied understanding and wisdom that's coming from your work and the containers you're creating in these conversations. So you know, also just mirroring that back to you that I thank see you. you and I'm grateful for your work too. So thank you for having thank me. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. And, and now you're, you're part of the work. So uh, I really appreciate <laughs> your time today together. And thank
1: you to everyone for listening as well. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right. Now take care and much love and peace. Thank
1: you. Take care. Bye.